Amen. If you have your Bible there, keep it open at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to think about these verses. We're within our current um, fresh series where we're in the section now where we're asking God for fresh fire from heaven. And this is a, a pursuit and a desire for, uh, for righteousness and holiness in our lives. We believe that, that when this, the Holy Spirit of God moves, that, that he will direct us into the holy heart of, of the Father. Uh, and so we're asking God that he would help us in our pursuit of holiness and righteousness, that we would be those who seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We know that when God gives us instruction um, in his word on any of his good gifts, something like sexual desire, and I use that example because it's in the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, when God gives us instruction on, on his good gifts in life, we know that, that, that God always desires that, that, we would, that we would be in line with what he instructs because he has his best for us. Um, think about the purpose and the function of the banks of a river. Um, a river's banks will help to channel the, the flow and the energy of water within that channel. And if the banks were not there, we know that there would be a, an overspill, there would be a flood that would damage all around it. And so it is as we think about God's call to seek first righteousness, to pursue holiness. We know that the direction that God gives us in his word acts like the banks of a river. God desires that our, our affections, that our energies, that let's be honest, can be all over the place sometimes. It's God's desire that our energies and our affections would be directed in the right way, that the flow of our lives would be in line with his spirit so that we bring flourishing to those around us, so that we experience flourishing from God and not a kind of self-inflicted damage and chaos. And so that is our heart as we, as we seek uh, righteousness and the holiness of God, that the ebb and flow of our lives would be in accordance with God's holy word and God's holy spirit as he gets a hold upon us. Remember, everywhere the river flows comes to life. We want to be those who bring life and flourishing to all around us. And so we're thinking about this, this closing section of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And the first thing I think we can see in these verses is a, a great word of encouragement. There's a great word of encouragement. And we're reminded in these first two verses um, about the goal of our existence. Paul reminds us um, and reminds the Thessalonians that they had been instructed on how to live in order to please God. That's the goal of our existence. Remember, we were reminded by Stephen a few weeks ago that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're here to please God, to glorify him, to enjoy him. We're not here just for our own selfish pleasure or ambition, but we're here to enjoy, to glorify, to please the heart of God. It's good to give credit where credit is due, isn't it? to tell someone that they've done well whenever they have done well. I think in Northern Ireland, we sometimes struggle with that. We're not always quick to give praise to people um, whenever we're doing well. Or maybe we don't like to receive it. and We're not great at receiving praise either. But what we see here is Paul encouraging the Thessalonians. He tells them to keep going 
to keep pursuing this holy life, to do it more and more. And so let me say to you, if you're here this morning and you're pursuing the heart of God, and you're doing really well in that, you feel like there's momentum in your life as you press into all that God has for you, let me say, well done. I felt impressed in, in my spirit this morning to really encourage you. If you're on the mountaintop in your spiritual life at the moment and you sense the presence and hand of God in your life and, and, and you just love to be in that place of prayer and devotion, you love to be with the Lord, let me say, well done, keep going. Don't stop with that. Do that more and more. Keep on going with that. Paul urges and encourages the Thessalonians to do this more and more, to keep pleasing the Lord in how they live. And so let that really encourage you. If you're going well with this, keep going. Keep pursuing the heart of God. Keep pushing on. Keep abounding in righteousness. Keep abounding in purity and holiness. Do this more and more. So there's a real word of, of encouragement. But then at the end in verse 8, we get this word of, of serious warning um, at the end of these few verses. Paul says this. He says, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but rejects God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And so there's this word of warning. Paul talks about disregarding instruction. What is the instruction that Paul's talking about in this instance? Well, he, he's reminding them of the seriousness of their sin, of how it can affect them. And in this case, he talks about, about sexual sin. And we know that sexual temptation is always a huge issue for anybody in life and for the people of God. And Paul highlights it in this moment and he, he talks about the seriousness of the sin of the church here in Thessalonica. And we need to understand the culture that Paul's living in as well. This is first century Roman culture, a culture marked by, by sexual immorality and promiscuity. And there's a word used here for sexual immorality and it's the word porneia. And it's a broad, comprehensive term that, that just refers to any kind of sexual relationship or engagement outside of the, the marriage covenant. And so Paul uses this as, as one example of holiness or a lack of holiness in the lives of the people in Thessalonica. And as I thought about it this week and did a bit of reading, it's really interesting because the idea of purity or chastity within this Roman world at the time of Paul, these were almost unknown virtues Nobody was really pursuing those things in Paul's day. It wasn't on their radar at all to remain sexually pure. There's an ancient writer called Demosthenes, and he expressed this general amoral kind of view of sex in the culture of Paul's day. Listen to this. He says this, and this is ancient writing from the first century. He says, we keep prostitutes for pleasure. We keep mistresses for the day-to-day -day needs of the body. And we keep wives for the faithful guardianship of our homes. How despicable is that attitude? What kind of way is that to treat a wife or a, a, a woman in Paul's day? Absolutely despicable kind of way of living. And yet this was part of the culture um, into which Paul is writing. As we think about first century Roman culture and as we think about 21st century Western culture, some things have changed, but in many ways nothing has changed at all. 
And so Paul's words and Paul's call to holiness strikes home to us today in 21st century Northern Ireland. And as Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, he's writing to this revolutionary band of brothers and sisters, those who were called Christians. They were little Christs. They were those who followed in the way of Jesus. They were called to live counter to the culture that they were embedded within. They were called to be different. They were called to take their standards, not from the world around them, but from the God who made them and called them to follow him. They were to pursue holiness. They were to pursue the heart of God, not just in relation to sex and sexuality and their view on relationships, but in every single aspect of their lives, they were called to pursue the heart of God. They were called to live by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who is the Holy Spirit. John Mark Comer, in his recent book, Live No Lies, he discusses at length in that book the three very real enemies of the soul, the devil, the flesh, and the world. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, I would recommend it. A little bit technical again at times. Kind of the books I read can get a bit technical, but the heart of the book is really challenging. And he talks about the three enemies of the soul, the devil, the flesh, and the world. And he talks about this inner tug of war between the spirit and the flesh. Just before our, our service this morning, Shane was praying into that. The tug of war between the spirit and the flesh. And in that book, uh, John Mark quotes another author. And that author says this, God and the devil are fighting and the battlefield is the heart of man. The battle is real. God and the devil are fighting and the battlefield is the heart of man or the heart of woman. Does anybody know that feeling this morning? It's just me who feels the battle is real. The battlefield of the heart. The battle between the flesh, the spirit within us. The battle is real. Sometimes it feels like bare knuckle fighting going on within the soil of our heart. Sometimes it's really tough. The battle can be very, very real. And when we reject the instruction to pursue holiness, Paul says we reject God himself. God who gives us his Holy Spirit. You don't need me to tell you that every journey into the wilderness of sin takes its toll upon us. Takes its toll upon our body, upon our hearts and upon our soul. In those moments when we journey into sinfulness, we sacrifice closeness with God. We sacrifice and forfeit his blessing upon us. And we constrain and sometimes break relationships around us. And it causes great, great heartache. You know, I want to be someone. I want to be someone who climbs high in the presence of God. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 say this. The question is put to us. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? And to that I say, Lord, me, I want to. I want to ascend the, the holy mountain of the Lord. I want to stand, God, in your presence. Me, Please, Lord, I want to ascend uh, your mountain. I want to stand in your presence. I want to know you more and more. I want to know the, the Holy Spirit and his presence in my life like I've never known him before. Me, God, I want this life for me. Well, the answer comes back. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? 
the answer comes back in verse 4. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. The call is to holiness. The call is to pursue the heart of God. I've long been intrigued by God's will for my life, God's call upon my life. Maybe you're really interested in that too. You know, God, what is your will for me? What is your call upon my life? Well, we see that in 1 Thessalonians 4. It reveals to us both the will of God and the call of God upon our lives. And it comes between the word of great encouragement and the word of serious warning. And it's on the screen, God's will and God's call upon our lives. Verse 3, God's will is that we be sanctified or made holy. Verse 7, God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. You know, we want to know the specifics, don't we, when it comes to the call of God? Like, God, where are you leading me? Is this job for me? Do you want me to marry this person? Do you want me to go to that country to serve those people? Do you want me to take this change and rule within my workplace? We, we love to know those details, don't we? We love to pray about those things. Sometimes we don't really ever seem to discover if those things are, are for us or not. But whatever it might be, remember that wherever we live or wherever we work, wherever we serve God, we are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things will be added to us. It's a call to the primary pursuit of following after the righteousness and the holiness of God. Don't miss this. I think this is just so important. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will come in under that. We're to pursue that call to live distinct from the surrounding pe uh, people around us. We're to be a God who follow the holy heart of God in this culture, distinct in every area of life. In, in an article describing holiness from Genesis to Revelation, Andy Nacelli, I think it's really helpful. He takes a big biblical overview of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And if we can put this on the screen. This is what he says we can see in the Bible from the beginning to the end. He says, holiness personified God. We see that in God. Holiness lost humans. But then holiness is established and practiced in the nation of Israel. Holiness is embodied and accomplished in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Holiness is applied and practiced among the church Christians like us. And then holiness consummated or perfect holiness will be experienced one day in glory. Isn't that good? It's kind of like a big sweep from Genesis, the revelation of, of the holiness of God. And one day we will be there in that place forever with him in perfect holiness. But until that day, he calls us to be holy. Writing about Christians, we're reminded that, that every Christian, it's it's a wonderful paradox. We're made holy. We are holy by the blood of, made by the blood of Jesus. We are holy in Christ. It's not good news, but we're also being made holy. We are holy in the, uh, uh, in the past tense, but it's also a future goal. We have been made holy and we are to be holy. It's, you've got to be okay with paradox, things that don't seem to make sense. The Bible is full of it. We are all at once holy and being made holy. 
we're becoming more like Jesus. Holiness is God's will and God's call upon our lives. Do the dirty work. I think when it comes to this, we just have to do some dirty work. We've got to get into our hearts. We've got to pursue what it is that God is doing within us. You know, I've worked really hard since coming here to Carmoni. I'm sure you're glad to hear that. I've been working really, really hard, flat out, flat out. I've been working hard to get to know people, working hard getting to grips with the way things are done around here. I've been working hard planning and preparing, not only for Sundays, but for everything else that's unrolling in front of us over these common months. On the, on the home front, we've been working really hard just with the family and getting everyone settled and happy. But there's one thing I haven't worked hard on, and I nearly took a picture of it to show you. I haven't worked hard at tending to the back garden. <laughs> now, I was going to say the back garden hasn't been cut since we arrived, and that's now a good five or six weeks. Um, it was like a jungle, and I must have felt guilty talking about this this morning because yesterday... I spent about two hours cutting the back garden. Um, my back sore, it was an absolute mess. But sometimes we just need to get on and do the dirty work. Next week, little spoiler alert, next week we're going to think about taking new ground. Things are really going to heat up, by the way. Things are going to really heat up next week. We're going to think about taking new ground for the kingdom of God where I believe God is leading us. We're going to take new ground. We're going to look and see the land that's in front of us, all that God has for us. We're going to start to think about that next week. We're going to start praying for fresh rain. Pour down the rain of your blessing, God, upon us as a church, upon us as a community. Show us your glory, God. But until we get into that, I really feel impressed within my spirit the, the importance of, of personally, corporately. And I'm, I'm starting with me, by the way. Starting with me. Consecrating myself before God. God, do your work in my heart. Do it in the heart of your people here in this church family. We seek your face. We seek your holy presence. And sometimes when we do this, what we need to do is look inside at, the, at the, the garden of our heart. That's my phone, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Before you judge me, do you know what that is? That's my midday warning, or my midday notification to pray, seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, there we go. I really didn't need to say that. That's just, I should be more humble than that, shouldn't I? <laughs> so, Father, we pray that, yeah, we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That must have been meant to happen. Yeah, it was meant to happen. But we have to look at the garden of our hearts. Does the garden need tended to in your heart and in mine? What, what weeds need to be ripped out and removed? Maybe the spiritual waiting process could go a little bit like this. We identify the sins of the flesh. We call them and confess them before God. And we experience forgiveness anew. And then when we do that, we stand firm 
in our position in Christ. He has forgiven us and he continues to forgive us. The old has gone and the new has come. Praise the name of the Lord. As we come uh, to a close this morning, you know, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by the holiness of God. So overwhelmed by his holy presence. But I am also so overwhelmed by his love for me and for you. He is a holy God, but he loves you and he loves me. So overwhelmed by his love. Drew Dyke, writing about the holiness and the love of God, writes this. And he talks about, we don't need to choose between these two things. Listen to this. He says, the cruel irony of choosing God's love over his holiness is that we end up losing both. Only when we rediscover the holiness of God will we be overwhelmed by his love. Only then will we realize how truly good the news of the gospel is that this holy God turns out to be a lover that the temple curtain designed to protect us is now torn to let us in. I want to pursue and chase after the life that God has for me, to pursue righteousness and holiness, but not with a view of God as some reluctant father who looks upon us with shame. Oh, they're never going to get it right. As we pursue this, we look upon God as the one who loves us more than we could ever, ever imagine. His desire is that the flow of our lives would be in line with his Holy Spirit. He wants to lead us into the abundance of his goodness. We seek first righteousness. We seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because all these other things that we struggle with in life follow after that. God wants us to pursue him first. Yes, be, be amazed at his holiness. Be blown away at who he is. Be utterly amazed at how glorious and incomprehensible and inexplainable God is, the power of his majesty. Be blown away by those things. Be overwhelmed by that, but at the very same time, be overwhelmed by his love. His love for you and his love for me. Let's pray that we would know him more and more.